0: not everybody got that anyways <laughs> let's uh let's pray and open up the word father god we just come before you tonight bless you and bless that man bless his Ilo. lord we thank you that we come here god expecting to meet with you lord we come here expecting the lord to have an encounter with your word and have an encounter with the presence of god and lord we pray as we open up the word now god that you just would speak to us in such a powerful way Lord, we pray that every word that would come forth from my mouth, Lord, would be the Scriptures. Lord, we don't want to sugarcoat the Scripture. Lord, we don't want to confuse it. We don't want to make it the wisdom of man. Lord, we we believe it. It's the wisdom of God, the power of transformation for our lives today. We hold on to your word. Lord, we hide behind it because it is good and is perfect. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have a Bible, open it up to Ephesians. That's our study. Can we give a hand for Sean last week for bringing the word? (laughs) Love it. The guy's like a walking concordance. It's amazing. He's so encouraged. I encourage you guys, especially the men, if you don't know Sean, to get in touch and hang out with him. You'll just, by osmosis, you'll learn the Bible more. It's great. So we we only got to the four verses last uh, last week. And uh, so this week, we're going to go 4 to 14. So we're going to read it real quick and we're going to break it apart. So starting in verse 4, it says, Just as he chose us in him, Before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us to adoptions as sons through Jesus Christ himself, according to the kind intention of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us. To that end, we who were the first to hope in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. In him, you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view of the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of his glory. Amen. Amen? Amen. Man. Everyone's like... If you read that, you're just like, that was a whole bunch of holy stuff, but not a whole lot stuck, right? You're <laughs> like, amen, that sounds righteous, and I agree to that, you know. But what we're going to do here is I'm so passionate about what we're doing in Ephesians is I want us to be just looking through this, and I want us to extract the nuggets. And we're going to cover five promises in here. That's all you need to do. Remember, C-A-R-I-S, Karis. It's a cool girl name, or car is, I don't know. C-A-R-I-S, what does it mean? It means chosen adopted, right, redeemed, included, sealed. You guys got that? Probably not. You're like, nope. Chosen, adopted, redeemed, included, and sealed. If you get nothing about it, we just want to marinate on these five promises in Ephesians here. We're going to go verse by verse here, and we're going to get it. Anybody remember it? Who's got us going to get a free t-shirt, one of our new ones? Oh, redeemed. Redeemed? Does anybody have it all? Sarah thinks she does? (laughs) Yay, good job. (laughs) All righty. Why don't we start in this... So why why this, and and why why do we, I just want to, you know, again, I'm sorry that it sounds a little contrived, but it's really important that we don't gloss over this passage. I want you forever now, when you read through Ephesians, to remember that there are five promises here. And these are things that aren't, like, overly obvious to us. There's no, like, whoa, like, I'm redeemed. I've never heard that word. You know, it's, it's not these huge, like, new truths, but sometimes it feels good to be reminded of who we are in Christ and the promises he has for us. If I were to tell my wife on our, our wedding day, I love you, and then I never said it again, and it's like, if anything changes, I'll let you know. Like, she wouldn't settle for that. Are you kidding me? You wouldn't settle for anybody who says, I love you, but I'll just, you know. No, we, we like to hear it over and over and over again, right? I mean, we're kind of troll for it, you know. Like. So I, I want us to have an ability for us to go through here and have, us have the Holy Spirit remind us of our place and position in Christ. Verse 4, let's go through this. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. Everyone say chosen. Chosen. Say, I am chosen. 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 You have been chosen before the foundations of the world. Think of this. Before God thought of the oceans, before God thought of the earth, before God thought of the, the dirt and the sand and the molecules, before he thought of carbon and all that other nerdy stuff. I hate science. He thought about you. Before all of that, he was thinking of you before the foundations of the earth. And what's great about that is that before we we did anything, before we could kind of prove ourselves like somewhat decent of a human being, not wasting oxygen, he thought about us way beforehand. You were chosen. He picked you. He delights in who he made you. Now, a lot of people here, we we look at this and we see the predestined and we're like, oh man. Now there's a couple thoughts on predestination and it's funny because I just had a little bit of a debate on this just not too long ago. And predestination is a little bit, uh, a little bit slippery slope and I'm going to differ from some theologians out there. Now predestination is saying that we are all walking, we have no control of our salvation. Who God saves, he saves and who he sends to hell, he does. That's predestination, and ultimately that maybe our life decisions don't make a whole lot of a difference because if they're not saved, they're not saved, and we can't do anything about that, and so the problem with that is when God says, I predestined you, it's not necessarily like, I predestined you to the salvation. He's like, I predestined to have relationship with you. There's a difference there. All of creation was predestined to have relationship with Christ, not all of creation was predestined to come to salvation, though the Bible says that Jesus wished that all come to repentance and knowledge of him, that all do. And we have this little thing called free will that we get to wrestle with, and it makes life really, really hard. And let me explain to you the challenge that we have with free will versus predestination. Now just follow with me with you real quick. If God made you and I, and he made us to have a loving and genuine relationship with him, if I grab Josh and I'm going to arrange him with, you know, a marriage for Sally, he's not going to feel very loved, right? Well, maybe he does. I mean, look at him, right? An arranged marriage doesn't feel like genuine love to you, does it? We're having a daughter, a girl in October. Ooh. I'm thinking arranged marriages actually sound a whole lot better these days, but you would not tolerate this day a, a genuine love relationship being something that was fixed, something that was forced, something that you had no control over. So God, in the nature, He designs us to have genuine, authentic relationship with Him. Are you with me? He had to give us, all of humanity, the ability to reject Him. In order for Him to have a loving relationship, we had to have the ability, the power on our own to look and say, I don't choose that. That is the, the, the edge that we must have to understand that we're not robots in Christ. We're not on autopilot with our relationship with God. And the word confirms this. You look at John 3.16, it says, whoever believes, right? It doesn't say only the, the select and the saved believe. It also says, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with them and he with me. That's Revelation 3.20. It says, to all who received him, to those who believed his name, he gave the right to become children of God, John 1.12. Whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. He's crossed over from death to life. Do you, do you get that? Whoever, if anyone, if anyone hears me. So we have this opportunity that we get to live our, a life knowing that the next person next to us, if they're not saved, that God calls them to it. Because the, the challenging thing about predestination is it's sometimes an excuse for us to do nothing, right? If we believe that I don't make a difference, then we're not going to be very proactive. But I want to move on from here, but it's important to know that he chose us, not that we would all be saved and have no control of it, but that he chose us before the foundation of the world that we would have a relationship with him if we choose. Now, the last thing on, on this is that he predestined us before the creation of the world, so this, in that context, we should take peace in knowing the permanency of his intention for us. If he created us before and had us... In mind before all of creation we need to know that his intention for us transcends anything that we could ever imagine it's permanent verse five he predestined us to adoption as sons through jesus christ to himself according to the kind intention of his will to the praise of his glory of his grace which he freely bestowed us in the beloved everyone say adopted everyone say i am adopted now, maybe that doesn't sound like a good term, right? Like a, we, sometimes we don't think of like adoption as like the, the great outcome maybe of life. But the reason that the adoption is so key is that it shows God's intention for us. If you have a crummy relationship with uh, an earthly mother or father, you might take the posture of saying, well, you didn't have a choice of who I was. I just came out and here I am and you're stuck with me. No, that's not the way with God. God says, "I adopted you. I made you mine. I chose you, and I was thinking of you before the skies and the oceans." Romans 8:15 says this, "For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship, and we cry, "Abba Father, the Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. In Roman law, it is said that that he who has has been adopted has all the rights of his new family and has completely lost all his former rights of his old family. In the eyes of the law, he is a new person. So the new was that he, even all the debts and obligations connected with his previous family, were abolished and gone forever. So in Roman law, it's, it's considered that even, what, even the way you were, if you were adopted, your old person is gone and dead. Every last debt, every last transgression, every last crime, everything is gone. How awesome is that? I love it because we get to experience the joy of being chosen. And maybe for some of us, that's not a feeling that we've felt very often. Maybe we feel like we're the leftovers. Maybe we feel we're the, we're the product of a bad decision. I'm an accident. And I used to, like, be bummed. I was just like, oh, it's such a, you know... I can feel make other people feel bad for me about that, you know? It's like what? Like now that I'm grown and mature, my faith is like, man, I love my parents. They love me. Why am I trying to pick a fight, you know, on that? Why am I trying to troll for sympathy? And it was something about that I wasn't wanted and I wanted to really like hold on to that. But when we look it says that you were adopted as a son and daughter, and you were chosen. It gives us the intention and the goodness of God that He made no mistakes. He's not stuck with us. There's nothing unforeseen about you that He's just like, whoa, I didn't see that one coming. You know, He has the full intention of knowing exactly who you are. Verse 7 In Him we have redemption through His blood and forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace, which He lavished upon us. Everyone say, lavished. You are redeemed in a lavishing grace lavishing. Can you just like let that roll off your tongue? Lavishing. You are redeemed. Everyone say, I am redeemed. I am adopted. I am chosen. Are you getting this? Amen? That God's came and says, I have redeemed you. And not just a little bit, not just barely the amount, but a lavishing amount of grace is over you. Not just the quota, not just the average. He says, I have an abundance over you. What's hard is that we want to find a redemption through our own efforts. And so by God saying, I redeemed you and I adopted you, and also, by the way, I chose you, it gives us no room to put ourselves in that equation. We have no room to say that, oh, I contributed a little bit to my redemption. We have no room in that. And that bugs us because we're control freaks. I love to fidget and tweak until I kill it. You know, like I just, I'm a perfectionist at heart. Aaron will testify to this. And it's hard for us because when God says, "I have redeemed you," not because of anything that you've done, because of what I've done in you. We have to sit and rest, and we have to understand our position in Christ is fully redeemed, not because of anything we did, and nothing because you ever will do. It says, "Even our greatest works." You're listening. Our greatest works are like filthy rags. The context of that is menstrual rags in the Old Testament. I'm sorry, it's gross, right? It's like, that is your your best, your best day. If you, you know, you didn't even watch like Modern Family that night, you know, and and you're like, I'm doing awesome. Your best is like dirty rags. Oh, what a bummer. But praise Jesus that he says, I didn't even just give you a little bit, I lavished it upon you. And the word lavish is more than required. It's abundance, it's profusely. Think of like just this, this break in this dam. It's just overflowing. That is his grace for you he doesn't administer just samplings of grace he just dumps it over you when i was getting married there was a, a group of guys are praying for me the night before my wedding and uh some of you guys have heard this but we were praying and so they're like hey why don't we strip down our boxers?" like okay you know is the guy thing to do i don't know just like underwear bonding or something and so they take me outside and so we're like it's hot and and so they're like laying hands on me and they're praying for me And i'm like oh this is so holy this is awesome I'm being blessed And so my buddy Austin, is like, and Lord, that you just would anoint his head with oil. And dumb comes a bucket of oil on my head and just, like, drenches me. And it's like, and his sins would be white as snow, and a huge, big bag of flour falls over me. I was like, like, awesome. No, I was, like, so shocked. I was like, you were trying to be holy, and you fooled me, you know, (laughs) But that is, that is God's grace. It's, it's not a little bit, It's not a little bit anointing. It is an overflowing. I'm going to just drench you in my redemptive grace and lavish it upon you. Isaiah 43:25 says this. Listen to this: I, even I, am He who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, for my own sake, and remembers your sins no more. Do you hear that? That for God's own sake, he says, I remember them no more. Not because you, not because you have guilt or because shame or or because I pity you. He says, for my own sake, I remember your sins no more. Hallelujah. Can I get an amen to that? Thank you. We need to know that our life is a response to his grace. Our life is a response to his grace. I have a dog... Some of you guys know Coco, the best dog on the earth, if you haven't heard. She has a Facebook fan page. I know it's (laughs) creepy. She was a rescue dog. Like, we adopted her. And she, I swear, lives her entire day in thankfulness that she lives with us and not at the pot farm that we rented a house from. That's another story. Sorry. Um, Our landlady was into some interesting things. But she lives her entire life, I'm convinced, in total thankfulness. And I love it. Our life, our behaviors, when we look at how God lavished us, our life should be a response to his powerful grace over us. You know when something like maybe, maybe you bought an iPhone, you bought it with your own money, and maybe you're out and you, you drop it in your cracks, and you're like, ah, oh, son of a, you know, you're just like mad, and you're thinking about like, I worked hard for that money, whatever. Now, what if like I gave you my phone, and then you dropped that? You'd feel like way worse, Right? I hope you would. Like, when, it, when it's, it's not yours and you haven't personally paid or sacrificed for it and something wrong happens, it's a totally different mentality. We guard things with ownership and we know the cost that someone else paid for it. Christ said, you were bought with a price, therefore honor God with your body. Honor God with your life because you are purchased with the blood of the king. Verse 8. In all wisdom and insight, in all wisdom and insight, meaning, Knowing you're going to blow it, (laughs) knowing that you're going to totally cheese out, knowing that you don't have a, a single shred of ability in you to make this right, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his kind intention which he purposed in him with a view to an administration suitable to the fullness of the times. That is, listen, the summing up of all things in Christ, things in heavens and things upon the earth in him. Also, have been obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will. And to that end, we who are the first to hope in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. A couple things in there. It says, You were chosen, you were adopted, you were redeemed, knowing you're going to cheese out, you're going to blow it. He's just like, Oh, it's so cute. You totally blew that. Knowing all of that, he says, I gave you all wisdom. I gave you the power for administration, for the wisdom of Christ in the heavenly realms and on earth. Whoa. Talk about undeserving. We are the, the least worthy stewards. And he's promising us to steward a couple of things. And this is that we are included. Can you say, I am included? Holy Spirit, remind us that we are included. He gave us the administration of summing up all things in Christ, things in heaven and on earth, that the mysteries of God, when we connect ourselves with God and we dial our life in with the Holy Spirit, that he gives us the access to tap into the mysteries of Christ. We studied this a couple weeks ago that we would have the mind of Christ. Holy cow. How many, not how many, but a lot of us don't feel we have the mind of Christ. But it's a promise. That we would know the depths of the heavenly realm that we'd be transformed by the renewing of our minds so we'd be able to test and approve what God's will is. That's crazy. We're flesh. We're on earth. We're made of dust. We're made of carbon. And God's saying that I've given you a fallen, cheesed out, crummy vessel that you are that I've adopted. and I love it. I've given you the administration for all heavenly riches for use in the heavenly and earthly realms. Wow. It's awesome. And woe to us if we don't use that. Woe to us if if we come in here, we know that we've been given access to the heavenly realms and we don't tap into it. Jesus says that I've given you the keys to the kingdom. Whatever you bind on earth, we bound in heaven. Whatever you loosen on earth, we'll be loosed in heaven. Woe to us if we do not tap into the revelation, the mind of Christ to seek and to, to gain what he has lavishly given upon us, the wisdom of the earth, the wisdom of the heavens. Woe to us and in fact, Luke 19.40 says, if you don't, the rocks will cry out. That's what's at stake. If we don't cry out, the rocks will. And second is that he included an inheritance that was not ours. We have been given the, the mind, the earthly and heavenly wisdom, but he's given us an inheritance. An inheritance that we did not deserve, we did not earn, but Jesus did it. And when we feel that we've earned something, maybe like your first job, or maybe your job now, like I feel it's like every dollar that I earn is like, I earned the, you know, like, I can show the scars my back for that 46 cents that I made, you know? And one year we, 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 in our office, we help launch startups and do software and stuff. We have this time-tracking software, and one year in our office, we were working crazy hours, and we took our entire gross receipts for the entire year and divided it by all the time-tracking software that we keep track of. All of us cumulatively made like 48 cents an hour is what we made. It's crazy. And we're like, we, we just feel the weight of like our hard work. And when we have an inheritance that we earned, it's a little bit different than when we have an inheritance of a rich God, a rich Father. You know those people that have uh, huge inheritances? Huge wealth. They're, they're famous for their inheritance. It's not them, it's that the person who owns the wealth is famous. Now we have the inheritance of Christ. Our life should make Christ the owner of the inheritance. Our life should make him famous. You look at like a Paris Hilton and all these other people, they have no discernible talents or giftings. I mean, really? Like you're famous just because of your inheritance. But you know how, like, people that have that huge inheritance, they act different. They, they see the world differently. And we should also the same. Not that you should be the parish sultan of the kingdom, That would be bad. But you should be of the mindset that you have a rich father that has given you an inheritance and that you should see the world differently. You should operate differently. You should command your life in a different way because your father has a bank account, has the wealth of riches, not both material but all wisdom of the earth to meet every single need that you have. There's nothing that you can do or encounter that will not be overcome by Christ. And we walk according to the level of that inheritance. And it says, to that end, to that end that we've had the wisdom of Christ, the mind of Christ, and we have an inheritance in Christ, to that end, all of this so, meaning that we should be the praise of his glory. We should be the praise of his glory. Man, I still don't feel like I know what that means. But I do know one thing, is it means that you and I are walking incense for God. You and I are walking temples 1 Corinthians 3.16 says, you yourselves are God's temple and God's spirit dwells within you. You are the living manifestation of God. And so your life is declaring praise and is exuding glory and is giving proclamation to the king. That your life is to the praise of his glory that what you do, whether it is in a cubicle or whether it is working in a fast food, it doesn't matter. That your life serves to the praise of his existence. That people should be able to look at your life. It doesn't matter if you flip burgers or do whatever really rich <laughs> couldn't think of something there. Whatever it is that people should look at your life and have to demand a verdict for why you are the way you are. We want to live a life that is so filled with hope, that is so just filled with spirit, that people come and grab us by the collar and like, "I have to know why you are different. I have to know. We live lives. That, that's what it means that we are to the praise of his glory that we exude and we just declare with our, our, our being that he is, is good and he is great. And finally, verse 13, in him you also after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise who is given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of his glory. Everyone say sealed. sealed. Say I am sealed. I am sealed. Say I am sealed, I am sealed with Christ. Now this is so powerful. Is that Are, are you seeing the, the line here? He's like, first you were chosen. I didn't get a pick. Then you were adopted. I'm now the daughter and the son of the king. You are redeemed. Everything I ever did wrong or could do wrong is already taken care of. You were included. You've not been negated from anything that God wants to do from you. And now you're sealed. It's like, it is finished. It's permanent. You can't do anything about it. You know, Sean was awesome because I was like, man, I I don't know what it means to like be sealed. And he's like, what is being sealed has no control over it. Are you getting that? That we who are sealed, we have no power to seal ourselves and no power to open it. That it declares the finality of God's working in us. The finality of these promises in our life. That you've been sealed with christ it is done it is finished these promises are in you done that's it Elphine. hallelujah that is such great news for us because what we want to do is we want to look at these promises and we want to begin to disqualify where we've fallen short isn't that right is that we want to look at these five promises and whether it's that i'm adopted as a son or daughter and we want to feel illegitimate we want to feel that i have I'm, i'm not worthy i don't belong or maybe it's being redeemed and we say i'm not redeemed i've done too much or i've been too many places or my life is, is meaningless and, and christ is saying you have no power to open or close the seal but i have sealed thank you very much and i end with this i want the band to come up it says in first corinthians 21:22, it says now it is god who makes both us and you stand firm in christ he anointed us, set a seal of ownership upon us and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. Isn't the great lie of our generation that these promises are not valid? Isn't the great lie of our life the, the, the contending for disproving That you're chosen, adopted, redeemed, included, and sealed. I think of every single attempt by the enemy, and someone was so gracious to point out, like, as I was thinking about, like, why don't we like, you know, as we talk about these, we can talk about how the enemy tries to come after you. And it's like if we if we focus on the enemy's plan, we'll totally miss the purpose of God. Oh, I love that. Let's let's focus in on the nuggets, the truths, the promises that, that Christ has made clearly in his word, and we hold on to that. And I'll tell you what the, what the enemy tries to tell us when, when we say that we are chosen, and that's why I want you guys to say it aloud, that we are chosen, and I'm going through this, is it's, it's life-giving when our, our mouths come into obedience with God's truth. I don't believe that it's enough for us to say, oh, that's good. You know? it's, we, we need to hear our own voice say, "I am I am chosen. Because the enemy is going to say that you are purposeless the enemy is going to say that your existence is by millions of years of randomness, that there is nothing significant about your life at all. It's important that we say that we are adopted because the enemy tells us that we are illegitimate, unwanted, and undeserving. It's important that we identify ourselves and we say that we are redeemed because the enemy tries to tell us that we are unforgiven, that we are still dead in our trespasses, that we are still in need And also it's important that we know that we are included with Christ. Not because we deserved it, because he chose it. And the enemy would try and tell us that we are excluded, isolated, and distant from God. And this whole distance from God, it's so easy as as we grow in our faith. Can I just like lift the burden for some of you guys that are growing in your faith? It's that do not mistake, listen, do not mistake the immaturity or in the infantile stage where you're in your faith because God loves this stage. And you have not yet begun to hear the voice of God yet. And you don't know exactly what that sounds like. And you begin to wonder, like, is that God or is that indigestion? I don't know. Like, I, I remember that stage, and, and so it, it's so important that we know that in that transition growth stage that we do not mistake that our learning to hear the sound of God's voice, just as my daughter's learning the sound of my voice. We do not mistake that for the distance of God. We do not mistake the distance and the absence of God from us. Because when we do relationship with people and something goes wrong, we expect distance, don't we? You go and wreck that car or you do something and you don't want to be seen by the person because you know that, like, you know, wrath is like, that's just not a good person to be with. You expect distance when there's conflict. And so if you're growing in your faith and you're like, I don't know if I hear God and God seems so distant, take heart that he is growing you and he's maturing that voice and he's calling you closer and closer. It's not that he's distant, but I just challenge you guys, like run to that, Be, be filled with the knowledge that you've been included. Your ears are yet not quite attuned, but you've been included. And last, that we are sealed. We have such a fear that we are in limbo. We have such a fear that we're gonna blow it up, burn it to the ground. Don't you like we're paralyzed by fear? Like, what if I do this and it doesn't work? The enemy would try and tell us that we don't know if we're really saved. Try and tell us that your life isn't gonna to amount to much. You're not that significant, you're not all that all that stuff. And God is saying, all the things I've already promised you, I've sealed, put in the bow, locked forever, only I can seal it and unseal it. Why don't we all stand? god i just thank you lord for the word of your promise god we love ephesians god because lord though it's so thick and so just challenging and just filled with power and strength and just such god depth lord we we thank you lord that you give us the ability to break these things down to understand god what you have hidden here and so lord we just pray that every word and every promise lord would just stick in us annoyingly stick in us why lord because the battle of our identity is at stake and lord as we talk next week on identity lord we just pray that these promises would be the foundational work to who we are in you we're not people that do things we're not people that find careers we're not people that just simply get married and have a, a, a meager existence lord help us build a foundation to where your promises are the foundation to knowing who we are in christ lord we just pray that we would be so strengthened by your word by your promises lord to compel us to live differently it would compel us to look at things differently lord let us know about our inheritance lord we just break the fear of abandonment from this place God, you're not going to abandon anybody. You're not set to tee anybody up just to let them down. Lord, you have so carefully made your word tonight clear for us, Lord, that if we choose you, Lord, we choose an eternity of such a powerful intimacy, face-to-face with our creator. Lord, let us to know and understand what that is. We worship you tonight. Amen.